0: Thanks for joining us on the Weekend Review. I'm Paris Schutz. A Cook County judge rules former President Donald Trump is ineligible to run in the Illinois primary. Judge Tracy Porter bases her ruling on the 14th Amendment and Trump's alleged role in the January 6th insurrection. But the ruling is on hold pending appeal and the outcome of the U.S. Supreme Court case on Colorado's ruling, likely to wind up in Trump's favor. A sweeping investigation reveals Mayor Johnson's administration ignored multiple warnings about unsanitary conditions at the Pilsen Migrant Shelter, where five year old John Carlos Martinez Rivero eventually died as a result of multiple infectious diseases. A collection of civic groups Upstairs. warn the mayor and city council it's time to be more transparent with governmental business. Jurors view grisly body cam footage in the murder trial of slain former Chicago police officer Ella French. Legendary Chicago weatherman Tom Skilling signs off after an unparalleled 45 years at WGN. And in sports, all signs point to the Bears parting ways with quarterback Justin Fields and setting sights on college superstar Caleb Williams with the number one pick. You'll see if they execute a trade here while we're on the air. And joining us on the Weekend Review are Ray Long from the Chicago Tribune. Lee Greco from Crane Chicago Business, Katrina Pham from Borderless Magazine, and Mike Mulligan from 670 The Score. Let's get right into it. Uh, Ray Long, Trump is ruled ineligible for the Illinois ballot, but to be clear, his name has already been printed on the ballot. the ballots are already printed folks have already voted early so the name will stay on there.
1: Right and it'll probably be on there the whole time but uh, it may not be counted depending on the court rulings but the the chaos in this that concerns everybody is are we going to have a patchwork throughout the United States where some states can knock off some and then some can knock off others and once one state knocks off Biden, will another state come back and try to knock off Trump? It's just a situation where they've got to have the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, sort it all
0: out. It seems pretty clearly that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to vote against Colorado and for Trump here. So this might all be academic.
2: Well, uh, sure, that could be the case. We don't want to Absolutely. assume, as journalists, you're right. We don't want to assume, although if I were a betting woman, which I'm not, I would bet that the Supreme Court, which, you know, does lean pretty heavily conservative, is going to go Trump's way. The one thing that I would consider uh, when I spoke with Karen Letterer a few weeks ago when they had their oral arguments here in Illinois is that there are some This elements, is a
0: person, that one of the people that brought the case. Yes, okay. I should,
2: yes, for the objectors to Trump um, is how it might affect Illinois law. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be a slight tweak. But as far as Trump remaining on the ballot, um, you know, that is probably going to be decided by the Supreme Court. And as far as, you know, his involvement in the insurrection, uh, however they land on that, that's ultimately going to decide what happens around the country.
0: And, and Mike Mulligan, the Supreme Court's going to take up his claims of uh, he has immunity. You know, he's appealing this. They're going to hear it in April. Seems like uh, this trial is not going to happen before the election or at least we won't know an outcome.
3: Uh, you know, I talked to a friend of mine who is an attorney who read the the what the Supreme Court said while taking the case and he thought it was kind of weirdly, almost like they had something to say about it, which kind of scares you a little bit. How do you, if, if he gets immunity and then becomes president, how do you get him to leave office, right? I mean, it's just a really strange case for them to take Clarence Thomas's wife is also charged but in this. That's something Dick Durbin brought not up. I, not charged, but well, involved. Well, has in, been uh, involved reportedly involved, involved you know, through text hours. messages and mm-hmm. yeah. And, someone should charge someone with that's, something.
2: That's <laughs> or, why the Trump... <laughs> Attorney's strategy here is just delay, delay, delay. They want it to go through to the election and, you know, through the inauguration, essentially.
0: But it seems like they're okay to have the Mar-a-Lago case happen, you know, before. Maybe they think that's more politically beneficial to them.
1: Yeah, it's not one that a lot of people would say is wildly crazy. Uh, But the Mar-a-Lago case does involve the uh, attitude uh, of what Trump was doing and why he was taking all these documents with him. So that is one that we have to deal with that could come up. And then we have the the uh, Stormy Daniels case that is uh, on tap in in uh, New York. So he's just got this... And meanwhile he's already convicted for fraud, for business fraud, yeah, right, and right. for defamation. Right. And, Th- and
0: $500 million. For and, the civil case with yes. the E. Jean Carroll, so several right. trials down and many still to go and we'll see if they happen before the election. Katrina Pham, uh, Dorval Carter, the president of the CTA, he's kind of a hard man to find but he appeared before city council this week, kind of getting angry at his critics. I don't know if you ride the CTA or not, but is it a little (laughs) out of touch to not maybe listen to the criticism?
4: Yeah, people are concerned about there not being enough bus and train services. And Carter is saying that there's a plan in place to be able to get back to the pre-pandemic levels of services available to people. But people are saying it's unreliable and they're saying that that's not what they're seeing on the ground.
0: Well, give us a sense of Dorval Carter's sort of like demeanor in, in the face of this criticism.
2: I mean, I would say he got a little touchy. He got a little defensive, especially when, um, you know, certain aldermen uh, came after him. You had uh, Byron C. Joe Lopez really come after him. Um, And, you know, he, he was pushing back, essentially, on all of the people who turned out to publicly comment on how the CTA is running, these people who actually take the CTA on a regular basis, and saying that he knows better than they do and i think he was also reacting to uh, a very good block club story that came out last year that showed that Carter and other board members were not taking the CTA, so probably pushing back on some of that criticism as well.
0: Yeah, I think the folks that uh, waiting 26 minutes for their train know a little something about what's going on in the CTA. Right. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, my wife was out uh, just uh, last week waiting for a bus, and it was like 30 to 30 minute wait, and and she had to deal with a homeless person who was living in one of the uh, the shelters there, or the bus shelter, you know, and it's just uh, uh, one of many many things that are going on. A lot of People think they feel unsafe riding the trains. Well, he says
0: he's got a plan to make this uh, world-class transit system that's going to rival some of the top cities in the world. What, uh, What are the specifics of that plan?
1: He's going to need more than Febreze to just kind of get get through that. And he's going to need a real set of, of reforms. And I don't know where they're going to get the money to do anything like that, too.
2: Well, he says he's going to go to Springfield to yeah, get it. Okay, Everybody's right. going to go to yeah, Springfield.
0: Right. Oh, right, right. The teachers women, are going right. to
2: Springfield. Jerry Reinsdorf's yeah, going to right, Springfield. Right.
3: So it's, it, there's two things, though. There's service and safety. Right? And the right. service is definitely on him. I, I, is the safety? Yeah. I, I mean, we've got real issues, and yeah. it's scary uh, riding the train sometimes, especially at night.
0: Definitely a good point. To Katrina Fam, you know, a lot of folks uh, from the Lightfoot administration, a lot of holdovers, they lost their job. But Dorval Carter, despite all the criticism, still has his. Are you surprised by that?
4: <laughs> I don't know if I can speak to that, but I'm definitely disappointed to see his response, especially considering last week uh, what happened on the Purple Line um, and the alleged sexual assault that occurred of a, of a young girl, so...
0: All right. Well, the uh, uh, criticism for uh, City Council uh, and for the mayor uh, came uh, coming from some civic groups this week for lack of transparency, uh, lack of accessibility to these public meetings. Uh, give us a sense of uh, what they were complaining about.
2: Yeah. So basically, uh, you have groups like uh, Civic Federation, Better Government Association, saying that people are not getting proper um, heads up on what city council is doing, they're not getting that 48 hours, or at least they are getting the 48 hours, but it's it's a little vague right now. And, you know, that comes in the wake of uh, what the mayor said he was going to do in December, which was going to be, you know, roll back public access in person to these meetings. Um, That ultimately didn't happen because he got a lot of pushback on it. Mm -hmm. Um, But as, you know, I think you mentioned before we started, it seems like every mayor comes in and says, I'm going to be the most transparent mayor ever yeah. and instead uh, they become even more opaque than the previous mayor and that seems to be the case with Johnson. It
0: seems to be a trend, you know, yeah. start with Daly, Rahm, uh, yeah. Lightfoot, Johnson, we kinda go the op- opposite direction here. You're in Transparency. exactly
1: right and the whole idea that, there, that you have kind of chaos here trying to figure out when the meeting is going to happen and a lot of times the meetings don't happen and so you've got all kinds of questions. This idea that Lee brought up here where they were trying to determine who gets to sit and watch the council. Come on. This is America. This isn't some uh, crazy wing Well, they situation. cite safety. Oh, they, yeah. You come know, on. There have been you know, some know, very testy situations. Yeah, we've, n- we've never seen a rowdy city council hearing in, in Chicago. In council no wars. Now, right? oh, we, had, yes. we literally had something <laughs> called council <laughs> right. wars. Right, right. <laughs> it is nutty. Beirut so, on the lake. Yeah. You can't, you can't <laughs> argue that uh, this is some kind of issue that you got to keep under control here and keep the people out. you got to let the people in.
3: I don't think they're hiding from anything other than maybe ineptitude. Is, oh, that, yeah. is that a bad way of looking at it? Like, I'm not sure they're up to anything really wrong other than... They don't want everyone to understand, like, wow, this is rough.
1: They don't know the difference, I yeah.
3: yeah. I'm sorry.
0: Well, no, no, I was going to say that's a perfect transition. Clearly, uh, they don't want a lot of people knowing how they've managed the migrant situation. Oh, you oh. did a, a, an investigation in Borderless uh, Katrina magazine, and uh, basically following up on, on what we had reported, uh, the Johnson administration had known pretty early on they were warned multiple, multiple, multiple times about the inhumane conditions at this pills and migrant shelter where the young boy died. And according to what you found, they didn't do anything.
4: Yeah, it really doesn't line up. The city's saying, you know, they're providing comprehensive medical care to migrants. But we saw in December, five-year-old Jean Carlos Martinez-Rivero, he died of sepsis. And he had sepsis from strep, adenovirus, the common cold, COVID-19. And, you know, how can you say that he didn't die of an infectious disease? And then when the autopsy report comes out, this is what we find.
0: Well, this is the thing you brought up, because he did. In a public statement, the mayor said he didn't die of an infectious disease, and there was no... Uh, evidence of an outbreak there. It's not true.
4: It's very not true and migrants have been submitting dozens of grievance reports to the shelter writing in Spanish and writing to the Office of Emergency Management and Communications saying their children are getting sick and they want to be moved to a different shelter and that's not what happening.
0: And, and so I mean we had reported on some emails that he had been sent to the mayor in October about the conditions here. He said uh, in response to that well we took quick action after that but you found more stuff more complaints out. he clearly it seemed like he didn't take quick action.
4: Yeah, the migrants we spoke to at the Halstead Shelter said the food improved a little bit, but there were still so many issues with infectious diseases, the rationing of water and supplies. Um, and most of the families who live there all have young children, and so it's very difficult to hear. I you think
0: the city's on the hook for any legal liability in this death, given, again, all the warnings yeah, that they, I, they saw and I, I lack of action? I think that
1: there is some kind of lawyer who's gonna find Mm -hmm. a way into into this and I mean Katrina was generous there when she said what he said which I think was something like he died of natural causes the mayor said something to that effect versus what actually happened to say it it didn't quite line up is very generous and I, I I would say you're absolutely right
2: I'm also wondering, though, you talk about who's on the hook for this, um, I wonder mm-hmm. if you found in your reporting, like, where's Cook County on this? Because Cook County is yeah. supposed to handle the health healthcare. Yes. But then
0: also, what about what about the landlord? What about the person that owns that building? I mean, I think, as I understand, they bought it in August. Uh, are they liable for anything?
4: There's a lot of lack of transparency, I think, between the different offices. Shocking. And I think there's a lot of lack of communication. I mean, I don't think that they're, it seems like they're not talking to each other. Like Brandon Johnson and the state, I mean, we saw that there was miscommunication about how much money was being put towards from the Johnson administration to the migrant crisis based on differing from what the state was saying. Well,
0: I think you were, you were also saying that th- this is not zoned for any kind of living. This, this is an industrial area.
4: Right, it's a warehouse that they turned into a shelter, and there's. It's in Pilsen's industrial neighborhood, and that's a neighborhood that's not supposed to be zoned for residential use.
3: And that's part of the problem with this stuff is that not just the horrors going on within the buildings, but there's like environmentally toxic areas where they're trying to build things. They've stop some already, but good God, yeah. it's crazy.
1: It is not something that they couldn't foresee. This problem was already percolating before they even came into office. So, uh, you know, I think the uh, the romance uh, of a honeymoon period is way gone. Well clearly you have a lot of
0: members of the media upset at, uh, at the way Johnson sure. has communicated with the press. I mean, Sure. Kind of, calling it out of the sun times i think right yeah.
1: right right uh... he had uh, set up an editorial interview mm-hmm. with their editorial board which of course is different from the newsroom but there were news reporters there who were going to report on what he said and then the uh... one of the aides said hey this is off the record and uh, this is crazy this is Amateurville. so this well, what yeah, yeah the aide
0: said this is off the record so then johnson signed off so, and johnson and, and, signed
1: off uh, after they couldn't come to an agreement to whether or not this was going to actually be on the record or off the record but going to a major newspaper or any type of news outlet for an interview and then saying it's off the record it, it's it's just not it's amateur. and
2: you have around the same time that February 15th press conference.
1: Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> what happened there? Remind us.
2: Uh, well, I don't remember
0: what happened a week ago.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Well, uh, basically, every reporter there asked the same two questions. Oh, this was
0: about uh, the, the migrants and then the about 70 the seventy million dollars and, and
2: shot spotter right, as well. Right, um, right. And so we remember. didn't all ask the same two questions because we have memory problems or something. We asked the same two questions because Johnson refused to answer them. Um, and so, yeah, as you said, I think the honeymoon period is definitely over. Yeah, it was over. a
1: vague word salad that he just would throw back and and that may be generous too.
0: I want to ask you, Ray, real quickly about the uh, the uh, murder trial, uh, the suspect that uh, allegedly killed Ella French, the former yeah. police officer. You know, the body cam footage, according to prosecutors, pretty much tells the whole story. Is this a pretty open and shut case?
1: Well, you would you would think so, but you would never know when you go to a jury. We can't we can't really get inside the minds of, of the jurors, but uh, everything seems to point to. Uh, this defendant being in trouble here.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, maybe his plans to get uh, billions of (laughs) dollars out of taxpayers are in trouble this week. The governor says, I haven't really seen, you know, why this is a smart investment for taxpayers.
3: Yeah, well, because it isn't. I mean, look, (laughs) Jerry, God bless him, he wants to move into the 78 and they're gonna build a stadium. The renderings are beautiful. So it looks great, theoretically he just is going to need a billion dollars to get it done And I I guess he's living on the old playbook, you know, what was it, 88, when the new building was built. And, you know, he went to Cranes and had a lunch and sat down and talked about, he basically blamed the people of Bridgeport for not coming out to see his 101 lost team. And that's why he can't sign expensive players, apparently. (laughs) and, And I mean, here's a guy that went to the owner's meeting in Nashville and did, like, a meeting with the mayor of Nashville, Nashville one is one of the teams. This is the same teams. playbook
0: he used 35 exactly, years ago when he went to St. Pete, yes. threatened to move them there, That's and what then. He did. And then he had Mike Madigan and Jim Thompson, two huge Sox fans in the State uh, General Assembly, who said, "Okay, well, we'll, we'll pay for it." That's for you.
3: exactly right. And now they've told him, "Well, why don't you get together with the Bears?" There's all this. The Illinois Sports Authority has all this money that is sitting there that will expire soon. So this there's is a based race on. A hotel on tax. But the sports uh, oh, facilities basically created for this reason in 88 yes to have and, the public build this stadium and and they are they still own or they still owe excuse me 50 million on guaranteed rate field on the renovations and half a billion at soldier field more than half a billion that that it like an incentive well now let's build some new stadiums i think what's going on with the bears is different they are going out to Arlington Heights, and they own the land there, and they're mad about the taxes. So they're talking about building a, a dome in the south parking lot, which, I mean, the Bears are worth whatever, $6 billion. Do they want to go into partnership on another building, or do they want to own their own building and then really hit it out of the park financially? I, I think the Bears will wind up in Arlington Heights, but either way, the politicians want the Bears and the Sox to get together and come up with one plan, which would be what? Instead of the 78, instead of building Wrigleyville South. Or just one they're plan gonna, for
0: public the, financing. Well,
3: that's, but I mean, but Reinsdorf and uh,
0: McCaskey have historically oh, not they had a good resume. They, Katrina, they you wanted to jump in here? Oh. <laughs> I thought you were ready to say something here. You're, you're, you grew up a Chicago sports fan.
4: Oh, I just hope that the the White Sox continue to do well like they did um, so far, and hopefully that maybe they'll get some more support for some funding.
0: Uh, do, I don't know about that, Lee Jean Greco. Do you think that um, uh, lawmakers have any appetite to give? I, I mean, maybe Reinsdorf is going out there swinging for the fences, ready to negotiate and, and pull back fifty percent.
2: Um, well, you're asking if lawmakers have any appetite to give public money. Uh, I, I don't think so, at least if they're going to follow Pritzker's lead right now, because as you mentioned before, um, he doesn't seem to want to do that. Um, but, you know, we'll see. For me, one of the other things that I'm watching with the Bears is um, if they continue with this plan to pivot over to the lakefront, are we just going to see a repeat of what happened with the Lucas Museum, yes. where they come yeah, they're, they're, to they, heads they, with Friends of the Park? Yes. yes, Friends of the Parks
0: has already decided that uh, that they would sue if, if they built right. something. Uh, but. Ray Long, I, you know, you got to hand it to Jerry Reinsdorf. You know, he doesn't care what era we live in and whether there's an appetite. He's right. going to
1: use his old playbook and go with his cup in his hand and say,
0: Taxpayers, you build my stadium. Oh,
1: yeah, I was there in 1988 when he did the last one and they pushed the clock. To 12:03, but to get it but, in, uh, yeah, yeah, on time. Yeah, yes, yes, to get it in on time, and they declared it was 11:59, and then uh, Thompson said, "Well, you know, uh, it was 11:59," and Mike Madigan said, "You know, I looked at my watch, and it was 11:59." So uh, <laughs> they got under the wire that way. The judges uh, then ruled, "Hey." This is what they declared the time was, so that's what the time was. you know they said um, there was a, a judge that came out in Florida who was uh, involved in this because of st. Peter a- angle and and he was saying, you know only one time in uh, history other than in the uh, the uh, judeo-christian bible has time stood still and that was in the <laughs> illinois house minutes and so we've got we've got just another example here of, of people wanting to push for more than they get and and a lot of people think the current stadium is okay i've been there i went there four times right. last year right
3: no i mean here's the thing whether we like it or not, there are about 12 projects around the country that are getting public money yeah, yeah. in different cities. Yeah. You know, whether you like the idea of private ownership of billionaires getting paid, the reality is these are. There's a lot of civic pride in terms of your teams. I, I don't. I don't know that politicians would be pressured to give them money. I think there's probably. Some money, some. Would he actually fall from what in Nashville if he doesn't get what he wants? Well, he claims that a new owner. He claims that a new owner that he'll die and they'll sell the team. Why? Why wouldn't you? Why, if, does anybody have enough money to build the seventy-eight themselves and take all the money he's talking about, but do it with their own finances? I, why not sell the team now and see if someone's willing to do that rather than go to I think he just Nashville or Montreal I, I or I wherever. Think they're
1: going to pass any of this before uh, this the end session. of this session yes. because yes. the election is out there and they don't want no. to be in right. the situation yeah. where especially if they, are they want Cubs fans to vote for them, yeah. um, yeah.
2: with, which uh, Speaker Welch is a Cubs fan ah, too. So is
0: so, Mayor Johnson, and yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think. Pritchard also,
3: leans but, Cubs. Yeah, too. he said he's yeah. a Cubs. Fan. They're they're oh, looking well. for thirty million to to help with security costs. Well, everyone wants in on it now. Open the Red as Star- well. Red, red stars red, red. want right. a seat at
4: the right. table. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I that's where you're wearing. The Mike room.
0: Mulligan. <laughs> speaking of the Bears, it looks like all signs point to Caleb Williams, the superstar USC quarterback, yes. as their number one draft pick. They're going to part ways with Justin Fields.
3: Yeah, I, I thought he hit it out of the park today. He had a really good day at the Indianapolis Combine and met with everyone. Talked, said everything you want to hear. Um, I think they're definitely going to trade Justin Fields. I think we knew that. There's still a quarter of a question of whether or not Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy winner, could project eventually as the better quarterback. I don't think he will. I think it's going to be uh, Caleb Williams starting for the Bears. In, they're going to use the number one overall pick.
0: Is that the right move uh, to, to bring a rookie quarterback into a team that looks like it's you know, going to be solid on defense, got some weapons on offense?
3: Yeah, I mean, it worked for C.J. Stroud as a rookie in Houston, and they were in worse shape than the Bears are Mm -hmm. this season. So I think that, you know, the quarterback touches the ball in every play on offense. The quarterback has to be the best one you can get. If you feel that the ceiling for this guy is higher than Justin Fields, and, you know, the other element is you restart the clock of a rookie contract, which means you guarantee yourself, like, five years – by doing something like that, it's it's probably what they're going to do. What uh, what do you think they could get for Justin Fields? Second you know, round pick? Their, their talk was a second round pick. Uh, the Atlanta has number 43. Everybody was hoping they could kind of replenish the pick that they gave up to get Montez Sweat, if you remember, right. before they, they paid him. They gave up their second. So that would be perfect if they get something like that. Uh, they also have two third round picks. Maybe they... Try to keep the second and give them a third plus. Who knows? I
0: just want to see them get a wide receiver with that number nine pick.
3: Yeah, I it's mean. going to be interesting. There's three great receivers in this draft. And if the quarterbacks are all moving up and there's supposedly four quarterbacks that could go, one of those receivers falls tonight. You
0: heard that, Ryan Poles. We need a wide receiver. I like I just- it.
3: I like it. Get all better right.
0: We're out of time, so our thanks to Ray Long, Legion Greco, Katrina Pham, and Mike Mulligan. And we're back to wrap things up right after this.
1: Chicago Tonight is made possible in part by the Alexandra and John Nichols family. The Polk Brothers Foundation. Additional support is provided by... Tonight's presentation of Chicago Tonight, Week in Review, is made possible in part by Anne and Rich Carr, Francine and Dr. Anthony Brown, and the Mullenhauer Progressive Philanthropic Fund in honor of Ida Mollenhauer, supporting quality journalism.
0: That's our show for this Friday night. Don't forget you can get Chicago Tonight and the Week in Review streamed on Facebook, YouTube, and our website WTTW.com slash news. Now for the Week in Review, I'm Paris Stutz. Thank you for watching. Stay healthy and safe and have a wonderful weekend. And we have to say congratulations to Tom Skilling, oh, the best to ever do it, 45 years at WGN. <laughs> Part of my childhood, sure. growing up watching him, uh, he's the best. We'd love to have you on, Tom, for an exit interview as well, by the way. Any, any, any
3: favorite memories of Tom Skilling? I thought it was awesome that his last, uh, you know, night of work was during the tornado slash hail and the 50 degree yeah. and he's explaining it. <laughs> and, they were, and they were lamenting, like, what are we going to do if this happens again and you're not here? Oh, I'm sure they're going to
0: call him up and uh, oh, for extreme events. Oh, for that's sure. what he said. Yeah. 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 That's
1: great. Yeah. Well, he's an icon. And he he's an icon. Closed captioning is made possible by Robert A. Clifford and Clifford Law Offices, a Chicago personal injury and wrongful death firm that is proud to be a multilingual law firm that provides translators for a variety of languages.